The Old Testament reading for today is Psalm 119. Don't worry, we will not read the whole thing. You know that's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's a wonderful psalm. We will only read the first two portions of it, that is verses 1 through 16. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 16. And then we will go to Luke 8, 16 through 21. That is our sermon text for today. Psalm 119. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in His ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Let us go now to Luke 8 and read verses 16 through 21, our sermon text. The title of the sermon for today is, Be Careful How You Hear God's Word. Luke 8, 16. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and for the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has, will be taken away. Then Jesus' mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd, and he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So far the reading of God's holy word, may he add his blessing to the preaching of it today. Verses 16 through 21 of Luke 8 serve as a conclusion to the parable of the sower, the soils, and the seed, which we considered last Sunday and the Sunday before. Here in the passage that is before us today, Jesus presses us yet again to be good hearers of God's word. So, Jesus is preaching, speaking to the same audience. He has just told the parable of the sower, the soils, and the seed. He preached it to the multitudes, but now He's in an intimate place with His disciples, and He's explaining the parable to them, and then He brings all of that to a conclusion by telling them 
what we have just read here in Luke 8, 16 through 21. Look at verse 18 and see that this is about hearing the Word of God in a good way. There in verse 18, Jesus warns us, Take care then how you hear. And look at verse 21. There Jesus says, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the Word of God and do it. So you can see that Jesus is in this passage that is before us today, continuing to exhort His followers to be good hearers of the Word of God. And I say that He is continuing because this was the main point of the parable that we considered on the last two Lord's Days. There we were exhorted to receive the Word of God in a good way, to be that good soil that receives the Word of God so that it produces fruit. And here we are being warned, take care how you hear the Word of God. You know, given the repetition, you almost get the impression that this is important to Jesus. He's talking about this this thing over and over again. Take care how you hear the Word of God. It's as if He is concerned about some danger and wishes to warn us of it. And indeed, He is concerned. For hearing God's Word in a careless, superficial, or insincere way is a great danger. It is a great danger. And many do it. There are many who will listen to the Scriptures read and preached, but only in a shallow way. Some will hear the Word, but they do not think about what it says. Others will hear the Word and think about it somewhat, but they do not take it to heart. And others will hear the Word of God, think upon it, and maybe take it to heart somewhat for a moment. But they do not obey it regularly. They do not obey it religiously. They do not practice what is preached And we must see that this is a very dangerous thing. The parable of the sower, the soils, and the seed warns of the danger, and Jesus warns us of the danger in yet another way in the passage that is open before us this morning. Here, Christ does not use the metaphor of seed and soil, but the light of a lamp. And He urges us to receive God's Word in such a way that it will illuminate our lives. In verse 16, Christ speaks to His disciples saying, No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. The observation that Christ makes is straightforward and clear. A light is lit so that it might illuminate. That's why you light a lamp, right? So that it might illuminate the room that you are in. No one goes to the trouble of lighting a lamp only to cover it with a basket or to put it away in a cupboard so that its light is restricted and the room remains dark. If you saw someone do that, if you saw someone light a lamp and then put it in a cupboard, if you saw someone light a lamp and then put a basket over it, you would think that that person had lost their mind. This is not what you do. Instead, you light a lamp and then you hold it up. You put it on a stand. You put it on a shelf somewhere in a central place so that the light of the lamp might illuminate the entire room in which it is placed. And when you hear God's Word read and preached, or when you read God's Word for yourself, you are to be careful to receive the Word like this, as a light. And you are to give it a privileged place in your life. You are to receive the light of God's Word as if it were a lamp, And you are not to bury it away under a basket. You are not to set it down in the corner of the room somewhere or put it under the couch. No, when you receive God's Word through reading or through listening to preaching, 
You are to receive it, and you are to hear it, and you are to give it a privileged place in your life. You are to hold it up high so that it might shine brightly to illuminate your own life. And if you go out into the world, you are to take the lamp of the Word of God with you so that you might see where it is that you are going. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. To hear God's word in a good way, one must receive it by faith with the intention of walking according to the light that it gives. As you know, the world is filled with darkness. But God's word is a lamp to our feet. God's Word is filled with goodness. It is filled with truth. It reveals who God is. It reveals what He is doing in the world. It reveals who we are. And it reveals what God requires of us. To walk in this world without God's Word may be compared to walking in utter darkness. But to walk in this world with the truth of God's Word is like walking with a lamp held forth to illuminate the path. So friends, when you hear God's Word, do not cover it up by quickly forgetting what it says. Do not diminish its light by setting it off to the side in a corner, but hold it up high so that you might walk according to the light that it gives. And we must remember that it is not only the world outside of us that is filled with darkness. We must remember that our own minds and hearts have darkness in them too. The scriptures say that we are by nature and in sin darkened in our understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in us due to our hardness of heart. That is Ephesians 4.18. So this is the condition of those not in Christ. They are in darkness. Now thankfully all who have been drawn to faith in Christ Jesus can say that God who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Indeed, this is true for for all who have placed their faith in Christ. The light of the gospel has come to them. And not only this, but the Spirit of God has also worked upon their minds and hearts inwardly to shine in their hearts so that they might see Christ and His gospel as good and beautiful. Without this inward illumination of the Spirit of God working with and through the Word of God, no one would be saved from their sins. But even for those who are saved, corruptions remain within them. Even the best of Christians will harbor within themselves wrong thoughts and errant desires. So what are we to do as Christians? Yes, we have been illuminated by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have received Him because the Spirit of God has also illuminated our minds and hearts. He has enabled us to see the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. But as I have said, corruptions remain within us. We have wrong thoughts. We have errant desires. We have attitudes that are bent out of shape. What then are we to do as God's people? Well, we are to be good hearers of God's Word. We are to read the Scriptures, and we are to listen to them read and preached. We are to receive God's Word into our hearts by faith. We are to meditate upon the Scriptures, and we are to obey them. The image that comes to mind is not a man taking a lamp with him outside so that he might see the path on a dark night. But if a man 
taking a lamp with him and walking into his own heart and into his own mind, if you can picture it, to examine his own thoughts, his own attitude, his own intentions. We are to do this with the light of God's Word, brothers and sisters. We are to receive the Word of God. We are to read it. We are to listen to it read and preached. We are to receive it as a lamp. And we are not to hide that lamp away, but we are to hold it up high. And we are to take it even into our own soul, so that we might examine our soul by the light of God's Word. To ask the question, am I thinking the truth of God's Word? Are my desires in alignment with the truth of God's Word? We must examine ourselves by the light of Scripture, brothers and sisters. We must meditate upon the Word of God. This is the primary thing that Jesus seems to have in mind when He says, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. The room is the soul of man, the mind, the will, the affections. The lamp is the Word of God, and the one who enters the room is the one who receives the Word of God into the mind and heart to examine themselves, their thinking, their feeling, and their doing by its light. As I have said, this passage is about hearing God's Word. And so the exhortation is to hear and to receive God's Word into the mind and the heart in this good way, to hold it up high so that it might illuminate every nook and cranny of our existence, so that we might think and speak and act according to its perfect light. And how do we do this except through prayerful meditation? I have used that word meditation a few times already in this sermon. It was present in the Psalm 119 passage that was read just a moment ago. Brothers and sisters, it is so important that you do not merely read or listen to God's Word, but that you meditate upon God's Word. I want you to hear me, brothers and sisters, reading the Bible, listening to sermons, yes, even good sermons, and reading great works of theology will do you little good if you do not meditate on the truths you hear. To meditate is to think deeply about something. To meditate is to focus your attention on something. And the Christian is to meditate on God and upon His Word to us. Yes, some truths about God can be known through the natural world. And so it is not a complete waste of time to contemplate God's creation. But God has spoken supremely and most clearly to us through His Word. And so we are to meditate upon the Holy Scriptures. There we find the truth about the triune God and all things in relation to Him. It is in the Scriptures that we learn about God's creation, about man, God's law, sin, God's covenants, and the promise of salvation in Christ Jesus, who is the eternal Word of God incarnate. Our Catechism is correct to say that in the Scriptures we discover what we are to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. So, brothers and sisters, I am saying to you that the Christian must meditate. We must read the Scriptures. We must listen to the Scriptures read and preached. We must focus on what is said. It is true that we must seek to understand the Scriptures as we receive them by faith. And then we must settle down with the Scriptures to prayerfully ponder what they say. It is by the light of the lamp of God's holy word that we are to walk in this world, and it is by the light of the lamp of God's holy word that we are to examine the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. 
And so what I am saying to you, brothers and sisters, is do not read the Bible. <laughs> and what I mean by that, of course, is that you are to not merely read the Bible. You are to not merely listen to the Bible read and preached. You are to do more than this. We must meditate upon the Holy Scriptures. We must think deeply about them. We must ponder them. We must apply them practically. And be sure that your thoughts, words, and deeds conform to the truth of the Scriptures. Psalm 119, a portion of it has already been read. It is a wonderful psalm. It's all about God's Word and and a love for God's Word. Meditation is often mentioned in this psalm. In verse 15, the psalmist says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. In verse 23 of Psalm 119, we read, Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Verse 148 says, My eyes are awake before the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promise. The words precepts, statutes, testimonies, and promise all refer to God's Word. And in this psalm, the psalmist expresses his love for God's Word and his commitment to meditate on God's Word always. And I am saying, may the same be true for you and me, brothers and sisters. God's Word is like a lamp. We must receive it as such and then hold it up high, giving it a central and privileged place in our lives so that it might illuminate our minds, our hearts, and also our path. The second thing to notice in our text is that Christ urges us to receive the light of God's Word in a good way now because everything will be brought to light in the end, that is to say, at the judgment. And so here we have a strong motivation for receiving the Word of God in a good way now. Everything will be brought to light in the end, that is to say, at the judgment. That's how I interpret verse 17, where Christ says, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Commentators do differ over the meaning of this verse. You should know this. I found that some want to make verse 17 about evangelism, or the ever-increasing spread of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. Now, is it true that we are to carry the light of God's Word within us so that we will be a light to others? Is that true? Of course that is true. And Jesus speaks of this in Matthew 5, 14-16. There He says to His disciples, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So in Matthew, we learn that Jesus used the same metaphor, uh, the light, the metaphor of of, of a lamp put on a stand, Uh, He used the same metaphor uh, to encourage evangelism, we might say. You are the light of the world, he says to his disciples. So, So you have the light of the gospel within you. Don't bury it. Don't put a basket over it. Hold it up for all to see. But here in Luke 8, the emphasis 
does not seem to be on evangelism. Instead, it is upon the need to receive or hear the Word of God in a good way, so that the light of the Word can illuminate the mind and heart, leading us to obedience. When Jesus says in verse 17, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light, I think He is reminding His disciples that in the end, that is to say, on the day of judgment, all things will be brought to light. Everyone will stand exposed before Christ, the eternal Word of God. We will stand before Him in His radiant glory. And He will look upon us with His piercing gaze. That is what Hebrews 4, 12-13 speaks of. When it says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And then the text goes on to make it clear that this is a reference to Christ when it says, And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. When Christ says, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light, He is reminding us, I think, of the day of judgment, when even His people will stand before Him to give an account. Will Christ condemn those who have faith in Him? Will the wrath of God be poured out on those who trust in Him? We say, by no means, for Christ has paid for their sins and has clothed them with His righteousness. But even those who trust in Christ will stand before Him to give an account. The radiant light of the eternal Word of God will shine upon us. And the light of the Word will search even the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Again, I quote Hebrews 4, No creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. I think the message that Christ delivers here in Luke 8 is very clear. He is saying to His disciples, It would be better for you to receive the light of the Word of God into your mind and heart now, and not wait for the light of the Word of God to shine upon you for the first time then. Allow the Word to judge your thoughts and intentions now. Obey it now, being mindful of the judgment day, knowing that nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Do you, do you understand the point that Christ is making? He is here telling us, be careful how you hear the Word of God. Be careful to receive it in a good way. Be careful to do it. We will come to that in just a moment. Put it into practice. And here is a motivation for you. If you, are, if you are tempted to reject the light of God's Word today, do not forget that you will not be able to reject the light of the, the Word of God in the end. The light of the Word of God will shine upon you on Judgment Day. Things that are hidden now will be made manifest. Things that are secret now will come to light. And here... Christ is referring to the day of judgment. You know, as I was thinking about this theme of the light of the Word of God, John 3, 16 through 21 came to my mind. Also, John 1 came to mind. You should read that as well. I had to pick uh, which text I wanted to read for the sake of time, really. Uh, but in John 3, 16, 
The word says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. The Scriptures, brothers and sisters, are a lamp to our souls. But who is the eternal Word of God? He is Christ the Lord. And here in John's Gospel, we are reminded that the light has come into the world. Those who believe in Christ the Son will be saved. Those who reject Him will not. But here in John's Gospel, we are reminded that that so many people, they they do not receive the light. In fact, they flee from it. They hate the light. They run from it. Why? Because their works are evil. They don't want to stand before the light and have their works exposed. But I mention this text to you and bring it up in conjunction with Luke chapter 8 because I think what Jesus is saying here is that you, you need to receive the light of God's Word now and, and be motivated to do so knowing that in the end people will not be able to run away. All will stand before Christ and give an account. Those not in Christ will be judged and they will be judged according to the glorious light of the Word of God. Christ is the Word of God incarnate. Christ is the light. He has come into the world and He came into the world not to judge but to save. Those who come to the light of Christ and call upon His name will be saved from their sins. But many love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. They run from it as I have said. They attempt to hide in the darkness and in their foolishness they think they succeed. But the Scriptures teach that Christ the Word will return. And when He returns He will will judge. His glory will shine forth to drive away all darkness. No longer will those who have fled from His light be able to flee. All will be exposed. All will be brought to light. And so the exhortation is to turn from your sins and to come to the light of Christ now. Do it now. Receive Christ and His Word now. Be searched by Him now. Run to Christ for refuge now while there is still time. Receiving the light of God's Word in a good way today is the thing that we must do. And we must do so knowing that everything will be brought to light in the end. In verse 18 we find another reason to receive the light of God's Word in a good way. There Christ warns us, Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has more will be given And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. The principle is this. To the one who comes to Christ to receive the light of His Word in a humble and sincere way, more light will be given. Light will give way to more light. 
Knowledge will give way to more knowledge. Wisdom will give way to more wisdom. The life of the one who humbly and sincerely receives Christ and His Word will be filled with ever-increasing light and will culminate in glory. I think this can be compared to the passing of the darkness of night, to the enjoyment of the light of the sun at noon. But to the one who rejects Christ and the light of His Word, to the one who hears the Word of God but loves the darkness rather than the light, whatever light they now enjoy will slowly give away to darkness with the passing of time. And this will culminate in the darkness of eternal judgment. This can be compared to the way in which the full light of noon slowly diminishes each day until it gives way to the utter darkness of night. Take care then how you hear is the warning that Christ gives. Do not think that you can hear the Word of God and reject it or dismiss it without consequence. To those who humbly and sincerely receive the light of God's Word when it comes to them, more light will be given, culminating in the enjoyment of the glory of God in heaven. Light will give way to more light as we grow in our knowledge of and obedience to Christ and His Word. But those who hear God's Word and reject its light will find that even the light that they think they now have will be taken away, as I have said, culminating in the darkness of eternal judgment. And here is a question that I have for you, brothers and sisters. Can't you see this principle at work all around you? Can't you see it? Haven't you noticed the growth in wisdom and in holiness in those who love God's Word and treasure it in their minds and hearts? Isn't it wonderful to see a life that shines more brightly with the passing of time? And sadly, you have probably also witnessed the other reality. Those who have rejected the light of God's Word, they grow harder and harder, darker and darker, and more and more foolish with the passing of time. Some even seem to have what we would call common sense taken away from them. And I say, this is the judgment of God. You may read Romans 1, 18-32 for more on this. So take care then how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. The fourth and final exhortation that I have for you is drawn from verses 19 through 21. And it is this. Receive the light of God's Word in a good way, knowing that those who hear the Word of God and do it are Christ's family. Verse 19. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the Word of God and do it. I do not take this to mean that Jesus was in, was in any way rude to His mothers and brothers. I, I've heard this text kind of explained in that way before, that He just rejected His mother's and mother and brothers, and He didn't want to see them. He left them outside. The text doesn't say that. I actually think that He probably welcomed them in and, in and had a nice conversation with them. What does Jesus do here, though? He takes the opportunity... Now that his mother and brothers have been mentioned, to clarify who his true mother and brothers are. 
who is really a part of Christ's family. And here, of course, we are talking not about his natural or biological family, but, but who is truly a part of Christ's eternal family, his spiritual family. It is those who hear the word of God and do it. You see, the true and eternal family of Christ is not formed by blood relation. The family of Christ, that is to say the family of God, is not brought into being in the way that our families are, namely through procreation and genealogical descent. No, Christ's family, the true and eternal members of His household, are those who hear the Word of God and do it. This means they hear the Word of God and they receive the Word of God by faith. And then, having received the Word of God by faith, they do live in obedience to Christ and His Word. And so the exhortation throughout this passage is to be careful how you receive God's Word. Take care that you hear and receive God's Word in a good way. We must listen to God's Word carefully when it is read and preached. And, you know, it may be that you have to work on this. It may be that you have to work on assembling together on the Lord's Day and to come with the intention of focusing on God's Word when it is read and preached. It may be that your mind is is prone to distraction and you need to work on this. You need to focus on the Word of God. You may even need to learn to focus upon it when you read it for yourself. And so practice this, brothers and sisters. Come to hear the Word of God read and preached and when it is, focus your minds upon it and seek to understand it. Try to understand the Scriptures, the meaning of the Scriptures, what the Scriptures tell us about God and the duty that God requires of us. And of course, to receive the Word of God in a good way, we must receive it by faith. We must receive it as the Word of God. As as God's truth graciously given to us, we must receive it as a lamp, a lamp by which we can examine our own hearts and minds, a lamp that will illuminate our path. We must receive the Word of God by faith. And having received the Word of God by faith, having listened carefully to the Word of God and taken it into our minds and into our hearts, we must be disciplined to hold it up high in our life so that it might illuminate the mind, the heart, and the path. We must meditate on the Holy Scriptures and search ourselves by it. As God's beloved children who've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light, adopted by God's grace alone through faith in Christ the eternal Son, we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And here I allude to James 1.22. We must be careful to do the word of God, that is to believe what it teaches, and then to think and speak and act according to what it commands. We are to believe God's Word in the mind, cherish it in the heart, and meditate upon it so that we might put it into practice in thought, word, and deed. Brothers and sisters, we must be eager to do this. We must be eager to do this. We must be very careful how it is that we hear God's Word. Let's bow together for prayer. Father in Heaven, do help us to receive Your Word in a good way. Help us Lord's Day after Lord's Day to hear the Word of God read and preached and to receive it in, in the good way that has been described. I pray that You would also help us in our daily walk, that we would cherish Your Word, that we would read the Scriptures, that we would store them up in our hearts, that we would consider them to be more precious than gold, O Lord. May we be 
Just like the psalmist who expresses himself so beautifully in Psalm 119, Lord, I pray that we would truly cherish your word. Do this work within us, O Lord. And I do pray that our maturity would increase, our wisdom would increase for our good and the glory of your name. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus, the eternal Word of God incarnate, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.